Hello and welcome to Getaway Day, episode 38. Today we're going to be talking about the free agent frenzy before we head into a presumed lockout, which will start at 11.59 p.m. tonight, assuming the sides do not come to a, a midnight deal, which seems incredibly unlikely at this point. Um, there was some brief negotiations only lasting about seven minutes today between the players' union and the league. Um, yeah, you can't or- even finish Taylor Swift's version of All Too Well in the time <laughs> that they negotiated today. Yeah, that's not ideal. So, so seems like they're quite a bit apart. Luckily, the lockout is not going to be affecting any games at this point because it is December now. Uh, we've got months before spring trading is scheduled to start. So they should be able to hash out a deal. We're going to get into that as we go through this offseason. But today, uh, we wanted to make sure we talked about all the various free agent signings that have happened all throughout the league in the last uh, three, four days now. It has been absolutely wild. Um, If you enjoy Getaway Day, uh, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Let us know your thoughts in the comments or leave a review on Apple Podcasts and hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at Getaway Day Pod. Um, So... Fun What's fact on, there, uh, we or I got an email from uh, one of the podcast uh, analytics things that um, Apple Podcasts uses, and we are the 163rd top baseball podcast on Apple Podcasts. So 163, baby. Let's go. So help us get that up to 150. I would love to see 150 by the time that we get back to the regular. Actually, I would love to see top 100 by the time we get to the regular season, but I'll settle for 150. So yeah. it's share nice to the have podcast with any of your friends to, to and work to work our way up the the leaderboards there, kind of. Oh yeah. So help us out. Share uh share links with your friends if you enjoy us and um let's try and get up to one fifty. Set that as our next goal. Uh but no, I'm doing great. Um went home with uh my cat for Thanksgiving. She uh she got surgery last week, so she's been wearing a cone of shame for two weeks and it's been making my life hell. But oh well. So just kind of chilling and watching her run into things because she's got this giant cone. <laughs> <laughs> but how are you doing? I am doing great because the Cubs just signed Marcus Stroman uh, in the last few hours here. He broke his own news on Twitter. So maybe the Cubs will actually make some more moves to follow this one up. All right. I hope not. I hope they're done. Well, hopefully you're wrong. Hey, remember so, when you asked if uh, if there was going to be another move while we were podcasting? Yeah. Padres just signed a reliever. Oh, okay. There you go. All right. But yeah, so I guess um, you were talking about the, the CBA real quick. I guess, should we talk about kind of what the hanging or the hanging up points are and kind of what's been discussed a little bit? Just briefly. Like, it's that's yeah, a sure. big conversation, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you go ahead and give us a little rundown on that. All right. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of things that since the 2000 and, or the last work stoppage back in, I think it was 2002, um, has been kind of the same. And now we're getting to the head where players aren't really a fan of it. And that comes down to the competitive balance tax, uh, some of the profit sharing. There's been um, 
some other, uh, I guess, incentives uh, recently, especially since the last CBA in 2016 that have been allowing teams to almost tank to get better picks. Um, and so these are all things that the players union is trying to address. Um, so they've been like proposing that they raise the luxury tax, uh, the CB uh, competitive balance tax up by $30 million. The owners on the other hand, want to lower it by $30 million. So there's things like this. Um, the players want to, uh, make money from having, um, uh, Jersey sponsors, um, so putting a, a patch just on the Jersey, right on the heart there, like they do in the NBA, um, like they do on, I think maybe the practice jerseys, preseason jerseys for the NFL, I think can't really remember, but so all those things are on the table, um, that are leagues apart. It sounds like the one thing that they can both agree on is both sides want expanded playoffs of some way, shape or form. So the players are proposing 12 teams. The owners are proposing 14, but it sounds like either way, we will have expanded playoffs. So that's kind of the big stuff. I know there's a ton of other things that regular people don't really care about or understand, and but that's kind of the big stuff that at least gets talked about. Yeah, so. and something you hit on talking about the last CBA, which... Uh, covered 2017 through 2021 and that's that um it just seems like it keeps leaning more in the owner's favor and it disincentivizes actually having teams be competitive a lot of the times because they can still make a lot of revenue even without being a successful baseball team and that is something that hopefully the players union is going to try to push back on and try to make it a more competitive league um, top to bottom and, you know, help the players out instead of the owners. Yeah. Something I will say though, it does not behoove either side to let this extend to where they have to delay spring training, delay games, um, shorten the season. Potentially that would probably do more to destroy the sport than build it. Yeah, so that is something that I hope both that they're sides are aware, well aware of. of that and, and, neither side wants to miss any games and lose any money over this. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but all I know is that it's been making this week crazy because with yeah. the lockout going into effect tonight, there's a transaction freeze that goes along with that. Um, if, if the owners lock out the players, yeah, they're probably yeah. going to at midnight tonight. If they don't, I would be shocked. Um, but if that does happen, then you have basically two free agency periods. The one we're in now, and then the one where players have no idea where they're playing or when they'll even be able to sign going into spring training. So, And that actually happened, I don't remember the exact year, but I think it was like 1975 or something where a whole bunch of players signed in in one week right before spring training in February after after a long lockout kind of thing that happened. So we could see that yeah. again. Yeah. But so the the lockout obviously it doesn't really affect games, but it affects quite a bit of stuff, doesn't it? It does, like, especially for like um players that are trying to work with their teams 
maybe they're rehabbing an injury. Maybe they're just trying to get instruction from their coaches and things that will not be allowed during a lockout period. There, there's no contact between the players and the, the coaching. Well, it, and, the, and it extends down to the minor leagues too, doesn't it? Right. Now that, now that they're, uh, now that they've been absorbed by the MLB. Well, I don't think so. The, the collective bargaining includes minor leagues, does it? It it doesn't, but I thought that there was some weird thing where like these young players won't necessarily be able to get into their facilities either. Maybe that I misread that case. earlier today. I, I'm not but, sure about the minor leaguers, but I mean, yeah, one that I was, I was reading about was Charlie Morton was talking. He's, of course, re- recovering from a leg injury that he suffered in the World Series. And he was talking about Ronald Acuna rehabbing his uh, his torn ACL, and he's not going to be able to work out at uh, Truist Park anymore in the offseason once the lockout starts. So, I mean, that could be an impact. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully it doesn't extend too long, and then we get back to just a normal post or normal offseason, which we've not had for a couple of years now, it seems. Yeah. So. But- the one good thing, though, is that this November has been uh, way more active than any other recent uh, offseason period in terms of the free agency signings. Usually it's just a slow trickle, a couple signings a week, maybe. Now it's like well, everything and, happening right here. And it wouldn't really start happening until the GM meetings, really, or the, the yeah. winter meetings. If you go back um, to then, 2019, remember how long we had to wait for Machado and uh, Harper to sign their contract. That was that was post winter meetings, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Very like, late. like there there was one year that there were like three signings and trades throughout the winter meetings, and then it still was like another month, and things didn't start happening until July, uh, July January, and then you had all these guys like Greg Holland, uh, who at the time was a pretty big free agent. Um, he didn't sign until the day before opening day. Um, and everything got delayed this year. We're seeing it in December and there's tons of big free agents that have signed so far. So, so what do you say? We, uh, dip into the free agent pool and talk about the guys that have signed thus far. Let's do it. How you want to do it? You want to go by division by team? What do you want to do? I just want to start with uh, the biggest fish. That have been caught now by their teams. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. In Mike Trout's division, the Texas Rangers made the two biggest splashes so far. They traded agency. for Mike Trout. They traded for Mike Trout. They wish they yeah. could trade for Mike Trout, but oh. they signed Marcus Simeon to a seven year, $175 million deal. And then they followed that up the next day by signing Corey Seeger to a $325 million, 10 year deal. So they're going to have this middle infield combo with Simeon playing second, Seager playing shortstop for a very long time. And obviously they have a lot of work to do. They're not a great team. They don't have a whole lot of firepower beyond those guys. But it's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, and they didn't stop there either. They went out and they signed John Gray, uh, who the Rockies did not give a qualifying offer to, and they messed up big. Looks because he signed now. a four-year, yeah. $56 million deal, meaning that they would have got a better pick because uh, he signed for over 50 mil. 
Uh, and then they signed Cole Calhoun to a one-year $5.2 million deal. That's not a huge signing, but it's shown that this team that was the basement of their division last year is trying to do something this year. And yeah. it could be really, really interesting to watch because they've got really young guys like Sam Huff should be up this year at catcher. Um, he's Young, a big power guy. Big yeah, prospect. Josh Young. Um, they uh, He won't be up this year, but Jack Leiter is in the pipe, and he'll be up in the next probably two years, um, unless he just absolutely dominates this year, but I, I wouldn't expect that. That's, that's a lot to ask um, for him to come up this year. But um, So it's a team with a really good future, and they're investing early, and they're investing a lot. Yeah, so, and they're kind of in a situation where they basically had no commitments uh, for any players for any year. So it was kind of like a situation where they could take on these guys, even knowing that they're probably not going to be competitive in 2022, but they're going to be quite a bit better than they were in last year just because of these star talents. It kind of just raises the floor of your team in general. Yeah, and like the only commitment that they really had last year was the rest of Joey Gallo's arbitration years, right? Yeah. And then they moved him, so he was gone. So yeah, they they really have nothing. Um, so what do you think the Rangers need to do for the rest of this offseason, I guess? I think they need to add one more starting pitcher at least. Yeah, I, I think they do too, because who, who do they have in that rotation right now? They have Dane Dunning, they have John Gray, um, who's yeah, probably their ace guys that um, haven't really been tested too much. Spencer Howard that they got back from Philly. Yep. So. so he'll, he'll be at the back end of that rotation most likely. Yeah. They, they kind of need one more middle rotation guy, which I'm not really sure who all's left. Um, I mean, honestly, if they went out and got Clayton Kershaw, they'd be in probably pretty good shape. Um, Clayton Kershaw or, um, uh, Carlos Rodon, um, or, or even Yusei Kikuchi would be a pretty decent pickup for them. Yeah. Just some more depth there, some more experience. Um, no, I really like what Texas is doing this year, though. What do you think of the actual deals themselves for Seeger and Simeon? Like the, yeah. the 10 325 and the 7 Yeah. So initially, the, the 325 kind of jumps out at you as being humongous. But when you get really down to it, start thinking about who Seeger is as a as a player. He's he makes a lot of contact. He doesn't really strike out too much. Um he's probably not gonna stay at a shortstop for the full ten years. I don't I don't really think anybody thinks he's gonna do that, but I think he's gonna be no. a solid enough hitter through the life of this deal because he's so young. He's only 27 years old right now so yeah so uh, i'm I'm okay with it just some numbers to back up what you just said right there so he's a a career 297 367 504 hitter for 23.7 f4 with an 18 percent k rate so and that's through what seven eight no that's seven that's through seven seasons yeah and so I mean, he he is truly an elite hitter. He has had some injury issues, but some of them have been kind of fluky, like the broken hand and some other weird stuff that has happened to him. So I don't even see him really necessarily being like a big injury risk, even though he, 
he has missed quite a bit of time with injuries. It's been nothing like that I feel like would really recur at this point. Obviously, a lot can change in 10 years. Yeah. With, with Simeon, he uh, he's a little bit older. He's already 31, so they'll have him uh, when he's 37, 38 years old, and I don't know what he's going to be at that point, but Marcus Simeon is one of those guys. He has like some of the best worth work ethic in the entire league, so I have no doubt that he's going to keep himself in great shape, and um, he's a quality um, leader that this team is going to lean on, I think, as they add add more players and their young prospects come up. I think I, I like both these moves actually a lot for Texas. Yeah, the with Simeon's contract, I, I love the move. I thought that they overpaid a little bit just from what I was initially thinking, just because when you think about it, he's not quite as high a ceiling guy as like a Javi or a Trevor Story is as a hitter. Um, and so seeing that 175 was kind of like, that's one of those moves where they're like, this is our guy. We do not want him to get away. We will pay him some extra money and they can, cause they have no commitments. So they give him some extra cash, get him there. That's their guy. And he's going to be pretty solid for them there in the, uh, middle infield. Um, yeah, good him, on, good probably on manning second base that seventh and, year though. That's pretty nice. Yeah. So. But yeah, so that was my initial reaction was I was shocked at how big the contract was for him. Seager, I understood. Um, Simeon seemed high. Yeah. Especially now that you're seeing like the the other shortstops go um, like Baez and um, who got what? Six, 140. Yeah. So. But yeah. The John Gray deal, I really like the 456. That's really team friend team friendly in my opinion so is it's what 13 mil a year basically yep i guess uh, four, 14 yeah 14, 14 mil a year um yeah so it should be interesting i where do you think they'll end up in the in the division this next year because i mean so they were like kind of a 60 around in the 60s wins range in 2021 so Adding those two guys almost gives you like 10, 10 more wins, I'd say. And then if a couple Probably. more things break right, you're talking about like a mid-70s win team, I think. So maybe fourth yeah. or fifth still. But Okay. Gotta start but they're way. definitely on the up and up, whereas a team like Oakland, who I believe you looked it up beforehand, they've not made any moves this offseason. Yeah, and they basically said that they're going to trade like any player that they have that has any value, so... It could be yeah. bad this year. So, yeah. So they're kind of on their way down. Texas is on their way up. What else has happened in the division there? Um, the Astros. I mean, they're going to continue to be good. The, the have, Angels have the are Astros made trying. any moves yet? They signed back Verlander. They made some um, right. relief pitcher signings. Hector Neris. Signed there for two years. Okay. And then over in, uh, for the angels, they made a pretty big move last night, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Or was that this morning? Rysel Iglesias, four year, 58 million. Last night they made that move. So they gave him the qualifying offer. 
he ended up declining that and then signing back with the same team. And he got four years as a relief pitcher. That's amazing for him. Um, I don't feel great about him holding up to the point where he's 35 years old and making like 14 million a year. But it's not going to be a Brett Cecil contract, is it? Probably not. He's better than Cecil was when he signed that contract. So it's a good point. But yeah, but the uh, the Angels have made some other moves here this week as well. Getting Michael Lorenzen uh, for uh, one year, seven mil. Lorenzen was saying that he wants to be an everyday two way player. Um, if you haven't seen Lorenzen hit, the Duke can hit. Um, he would occasionally play two way over for for the Reds, but he's not had a chance to do it every day. I I don't see that him getting an opportunity to do that with the Angels though, right? And they signed him to be a starter too. Yeah, they did, and that's really um, – they're asking for a lot because he hasn't started on a consistent basis in like six years when he was in the minor leagues or like his very early days with the Reds. So, I don't know. It's a it's a big risk to take. I mean, it's not, it's not a big risk to take because it's not like that much money and it's just one year, but I think – I hope they're not counting on him for a lot. And as we talk about all these other free agent pitchers that have signed – that market is getting very thin now. There's not yeah. a lot of quality options available anymore. Yeah. So I, th- I think the two guys that are really left uh, that are kind of that, they're the bottom of that upper echelon, I would say, of this year's free agent pitchers is Kershaw and Rodon. Um, and Rodon's track record of uh, greatness is not very long. And he has, He's very got a really bad, he has very bad health history as well. Yeah, and Kershaw has a lot of mileage on his arm, and he's been starting to see some injury issues in the past couple years. Granted, he's still a dominant pitcher when he's healthy. Um, So both those guys would be a good pickup for anyone, but they're not. You wouldn't go out there expecting them to be your ace. And I think right now the way it's stacking up is uh, the Angels have uh, – Pablo Sandoval, not Pablo Sandoval. Uh, That's the Patrick wrong name. Sandoval. Patrick Sandoval. I don't. I don't know why I said Pablo. Um, let's see. So Patrick Sandoval. They've got Thor. They've got um, Otani. Yeah, Otani. Now they have Lorenzen. That they're gonna try and slot in there. I, do they have any other starters this now? Because. Alex Cobb was on their team last year, right? And he just signed over with San Francisco. Yeah. So, I don't even know who else they've got. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how that works out for them. Because it's like, the, they're making some moves, but it doesn't seem like they're making the right moves to be competitive. Yeah. So... But Perry Manassian, we'll see what he can do. Maybe he can pull some Jerry DePoto moves and start trading a whole bunch and <laughs> making something happen. Yeah. So they they did also sign Aaron Loop for two years, 17 mil. So another bullpen guy there for him. Um, Should we just finish up the AL West with the, the Mariners here? Let's do it. So the Mariners signed Robbie Ray to a $115 million five-year contract. Um. He's going to be asked to kind of lead that rotation. It's very, it's a very young rotation, but it could be very good pretty soon with um, 
Logan Gilbert, who pitched in 2021. They've got Emerson Hancock and George Kirby coming pretty soon. Um, they've also got the guys that were already there, like Justin Dunn and Marco Gonzalez, who are pretty solid pitchers as well. So I like the move to get Ray. I also am worried that um, his Cy Young season's kind of maybe like a little bit of a flash in the pan, and he might just become like old Robbie Ray again. Like it's possible. Yeah, and well, and honestly, it's more probable. Uh, regression it's, to the mean. Regression, so, yes, but I think some of it's actual growth, right? So yeah, it's not uh, like well, he's going to become terrible I, like I'm he not, was in twenty twenty. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to go back to being exactly that. I would just yeah. expect it to be somewhere more in the middle of what he used to be and what he was this year, it, until it, he shows that his mechanical changes have uh, have made that big of an impact, which is very possible. But I also don't know much about the Mariners uh, pitching coach uh, and the way that they or that the the staff there works with pitchers. So maybe they continue to unlock some secrets in his arm and his mechanics and Robbie Ray can continue to be dominant. And maybe he just is a solid number two or number one for them with Marco Gonzalez as a number two. I still think he'll be good. He just won't be Cy Young Robbie Ray. And that's kind of how they paid him, too. They paid him to be good, but not really Cy Young, Robbie Ray. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um, and then uh, they did also trade uh, for Adam Frazier from Padres. So just trying to shore up their middle infield there. Apparently, Shedrick Long is no longer going to be manning second. He's not even with the organization anymore, I believe. What? Did he get non-tendered? Uh, he got like outrighted off the roster like a month ago or something. What? Yeah. I wish I would have known that. This is a sad day for me. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, with the Mariners, I feel like there's still a big move coming for Bat, right? Maybe it's Chris yeah. Bryant. Maybe it's uh, Trevor Story. They've got to get someone to add a little bit more firepower to this lineup. They've got a good outfielder um, group. With Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez coming, um, Kyle Lewis, if he can stay healthy, then the infield seems like it needs a little work. They've got kind of a hole at third base. Shortstop, maybe they could seek an upgrade over Crawford offensively. Um, so I think something's coming. Jerry Depoto's got something up his sleeve, but probably yeah, after I, the lockout. I, I agree with you there. They they're getting. Uh more and more interested in Trevor story. It looks like they've been talking about maybe getting a third baseman. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them in conversations with Correa guys like Trevor story guys like Chris Bryant. One of them's got to end up there. I mean, that team took such a huge step forward this past year. Granted, I don't know how much of it was um, actual improvement versus fluke. There was a lot of luck involved. But yeah, they can but combat that by actually improving their team and their improving their team and yeah. the really, really young guys that were on their team are now more experienced and developed. So yeah. like natural improvement there. So I still don't think that they're going to be winning the division, but I think that they could be a solid number two team in that division. 
one more impact bat, and we may actually be talking a challenge here for the uh, Astros. Yeah, yeah. So, I hope so. That'd be fun. Yeah. It, I, I like this Astros team, but I'm tired of seeing them win. <laughs> right, yeah. So. All right, let's talk about another team that is on the up and up. That's the Detroit Tigers, who added Javier Baez to be their shortstop for the next six years for $140 million. Um, What do you think about this? I, I I think I really like the move. It's not the shortstop I thought they were going to go with. Correct. Um, yeah, I I He's thought they Carlos would be in Correa. a career. That's pretty clear. And I think Tigers fans might be like slightly disappointed, but but he comes at half the price probably. Probably, like, yeah. So half the price, little over half of the years that Correa is likely going to get. Um, which I guess I'm kind of alluding to my question I have for you about Correa here in a bit, but um, no, I, I kind of like the move. So Baez is, um, everyone knows he's streaky. He's got a lot of power and he strikes out a lot. At the end of last year, he got his strikeout rate way down. I don't know if that approach is going to stick in this coming season or not. So it could be risky if he goes out and strikes out 35% of the time, but I don't really see that being the case. So I think with his defensive prowess and the power that comes with him and just his leadership in the locker room for such a young team, I think that's a really good signing. Yeah, I'm with you there. And just everyone gets really hung up on the strikeouts and the plate discipline and everything. Everyone knows Javi has terrible plate discipline. That's not what yeah. he's there for. He's there to play defense, suck up all the ground balls, hit dingers and run the bases and make incredible tags and be just an all around like exciting player to watch. So if you're a Tigers fan, you should be really happy because this guy is the best player on your team now, pretty clearly. Yeah. And he gives you a little bit more flexibility to go out and get another guy. Um, and then once Miggy's off the books, which I love Miggy, I, I don't want Miggy to just like fall off the face of the earth, but you do got to admit he's a little bit of an ankle weight on that team right now. Um, yeah. and they've got when the his contract is too. finally up in two years, <laughs> then you open up a lot more money that'll start going to the, uh, the young guys in arbitration, et cetera. But assuming arbitration still exists in the new CBA. Um, but yeah, I, I like that move. It leaves a lot of financial flexibility. Um, and it gets them a player of a position that they really needed. Cause Isaac Paredes, not really the, not the guy long-term. Uh, Willie Castro, I think was another shortstop they had. They've had so many not, failing shortstops not the guy. over the years. So I like it. Um, what else we got? We got the Is there anything else in the, Ooh, the Mets. We got to talk about the Mets here. The Mets. They went crazy. They really just, before we talk like about this. before we talk about how crazy they've been going, I would just like to remind everyone how much I think that the team is a dumpster fire. And then now they're doing this and I don't know what to think anymore. Now yeah. tell us what they're doing. <laughs> okay, so on one day, Black Friday actually, they went out and they got three 33-year-old uh position players. They got Starling Marte for 4 years at 78 million total. Mark Canha 26.5 million for two years and Eduardo Escobar 20 million in two years. So 
these guys are all veteran players. They've got a lot of experience, and they've all been solid players throughout their careers. Um, what do you think about this strategy to just go after all these old old dudes? Like, it reminds me of the last time the Mets went out and spent money trying to be good. Uh, they got Yo, they got Robbie Cano, they <laughs> got um, who else did they get that time around? Um, they, they just they went out and got a whole bunch of old players last time that were really really good whenever they came to the Mets, and then they kind of just fell off. And so I, I'm a little bit concerned, um, but it could work out. Starling Marte is really, really good, um, and I think he's the one who's probably going to age the best out of that group, which is probably why he got the four years versus the two. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like it. I'm glad that they only went for two years on Canna and Escobar. Yeah, so with I really like the Marte one too because he was the only true center fielder out there in the free agent market. So they got him. He's coming off a really nice season, split between Miami and uh, Oakland. Um, he was stealing tons of bases at the end of last year and plays pretty solid defense. So I think I, I agree that he's going to probably age okay. Um, with Canna and Escobar, it seems like they they paid up a little for these guys. That's part of why they signed early. I'm guessing they're they're really solid players, and um, they're going to give the Mets a lot of depth. But if they end up being the guys that they're relying on to to play um, to get 500 plus at bats, I don't really like it as much. Canha, he's um, he's an on base machine, but he doesn't really have too much power. Uh, Escobar is kind of the opposite. He doesn't really get it on base, but he he kind of hits a lot of home runs. So the, these are nice players to have on your, your club. So after seeing what the Mets did last year where they really struggled with their depth because they got so many injuries throughout the season, having guys like Canha and Escobar in 2021 probably would have been a big help to them. But I think they need yeah. more. I think they need another bat. I do too, and I think they need to go young. I, I don't. I don't know if you could keep going out for these like mid early thirties players and expect the team to just work out. I don't know. It, not trying to be ageist. It just kind of just seems like they're starting to get guys that are about to start hitting their baseball decline. And mm -hmm. it's just kind of concerning because some guys are going to decline faster than others. And so maybe age 33 or age 34 season is the year. I mean, we saw what happened with Matt Carpenter. Like about eight thirty three, thirty four is when he kind of fell off a cliff. So, but yeah, uh, then but I then saved, I've saved the extra old guy for last because his case is a little bit different. So Max Scherzer signs a monster deal, the biggest average annual value in the history of baseball here uh, by about nine million. Uh, no, it wasn't nine. It was uh, seven million. Seven, seven point three. Deal and yeah, it um, was thirty-six million. Was the Bauer? That was uh, Cole's deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, but Cole obviously got nine years. So Scherzer gets to one hundred and thirty million for three years. He's thirty-seven years old now, and he's coming off a excellent season. 
Um, he, he didn't pitch as many innings as he typically does. Um, he struggled with injuries in the playoffs, and he wasn't able to pitch um, right at the end there for the Dodgers. So they're paying Scherzer like he's the best pitcher in the league. Um, and he's going into his age 37 season. So there's there's a kind of a lot of downside risk here. But yeah, at the I, same time, it's Max Scherzer. Yeah, I was going to say, you the, don't the bet against difference that is, he's, he's a, a unicorn. Yeah. Like him and JV are kind of unicorns where it seems like they don't really age. Um, I mean, obviously they do, but if there's anyone in the league that has a chance of pulling an Nolan Ryan and pitching into their mid forties, it's going to be Scherzer or Verlander could very well be Verlander, but I would put my money on Scherzer. And so a three year, 130 is a big risk, but the payoff pretty, pretty damn good. And I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go out and finish top five in Cy Young again. He's he, there's only one year since 2013 that he has not finished top five in the Cy Young. Yeah, it's unreal. And that is 2020. So it's going to be and this so year much he was third. And this year he, he was third and could have realistically won it. I I I see a world where he would have won this year's. Definitely. And so if he and Jacob Degrom can stay healthy, that's going to be such a fun one. It's a big if to dude. watch. That's a big if. It's a big if. Yeah, but. You, those two guys together, you could make the case that they're, you know, the top two pitchers in the league. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's it's really interesting to see what the Mets are doing because last year, uh, when um, oh, what's his name, Steve Cohen came in, he said he was going to spend a ton of money, and then he didn't. He did. He kind of did. He he yeah. went out and signed Lindor to a ten-year deal. So. Yeah, but. That was the only big move that he made. Granted, it was a big move, and I think that's a good move, but he didn't go out and start signing free agents and just racking up the the bill like um, like it was implied that he was going to. This year, he's doing exactly that. I mean, he's dropped, what, 208 uh, <laughs> plus another 47, uh, so what, $255 million um, on four guys, and they're probably not done. Yeah, I don't think they're done. So, and and I think their their payroll is up to $262 million for this year, and the uh, luxury tax is 210 assuming it stays what it was this year. So they've got a, they've got a pretty big investment here in this team right now. So mm-hmm. They do. All right. So just a, a quick little... Um, break from talking about guys who did sign. Do you have that list of teams that did not sign any free agents? Cause I know we already mentioned the Oakland, but we got a yeah, question so here in the chat. If Cle- the guardians signed anybody, Cleveland has not signed any major league free agents to this point. Uh, Kansas city and Minnesota now have Oakland. Like we mentioned has not Washington signed one and every other team has signed at least one. Okay. So it's just the two. Is that what you? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so, Oakland and Cleveland Guardians, officially the Guardians, are the two teams that have not made a free agent signing yet. I will refresh MLB trade rumors just to confirm. Uh, 
as of right now, they have still not signed anybody. So I, I appreciate the question there, Kyle. Um, but yeah, so let's see. So where do you want to go next? All right. So next, uh, we've talked about a lot of these big money guys so far, some slightly smaller deals. Uh, I would say Yul Garcia got four years from Miami for $53 million. Um, and I think there's an option on his deal too, isn't there? Uh, not sure about that. A lot to keep track of these last few days. <laughs> yeah. But I, I kind of like it for Miami uh, because they're actually going out and signing free agents, which is not something they've done in a long time now. Yeah, and they've also made a couple of trades here as well. Yeah, that's right. They um, traded for Joey Wendell. They also traded yep. for... They, they traded away they, Jorge Alfaro. They traded away Jose Alfaro, and then they also traded for Jacob Stallings, which is an interesting trade from both sides of it because I like it for the Marlins because they get a really good defensive catcher to work with their 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 young starting pitcher. So I think that's going to be a and, and Stallings isn't a complete liability behind the or at the plate right. either. He's so. kind of okay for a catcher. Yeah. Yeah. But then the they sent back that, Zach Thompson, I think, was kind of the headliner in that trade going the other way, right? Yeah, he's an interesting uh, pitcher. He he was decent for Miami this year. So Pirates get a prospect. And I like what the Pirates did here because they traded Stallings, who had some value, and they were able to get three players back, which is nice. And then the next day they go out and they sign Roberto Perez, who's another defense first catcher. I mean, he's terrible offensively, but... At least defensively, it's not really going to be a drop-off from Stallings. And they'll have someone behind the dish, at least. Yeah. And then the Pirates went out and uh, made a couple other small moves just to um, try and field a, I don't want to say a competitive team, but not a completely awful team. A team? Yeah, to field a team. They might win 50 games. Who knows? Um, But they signed uh, Yoshi Susugo. Uh, to one year four mil, and then Jose Quintana. Uh, they only they're giving him two mil to come and try and pitch in their rotation, see if maybe he can kind of rehab his career there a little bit. Um, so we'll see how that works out for him. But the the Pirates are definitely going about this, trying to build up their farm system more. Like that's that's what they're doing here, and in the division they're in right now, and kind of where they're at, it it makes sense get the value for what you have that is not going to be around long-term. Um, and so trading a guy like Stallings, who I think maybe has two years left. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Getting some, some prospects back for him. So yep. we'll see how that works out. Um, Cardinal signed Steven Matz for four years and 44 million. He kind of slots in the middle of that rotation. Um, yep. Gives nice us a lefty in the rotation there. Option. So, yeah. Um, I, that was an interesting pickup to me. It, it, like, it, I wasn't really. That wasn't the starter that I was necessarily wanting the Cardinals to go get. I, I think we know who I wanted them to go get. It's Marcus Stroman. But, um, but no, looking more at that Steven Matz deal, I kind of like it. It's, it's not really a high risk. Yeah, it's four years, but it's 11 million a year. So if he kind of goes back to his eh, years, you're not really 
shooting yourself in the foot from a financial standpoint, but he does also have some pretty good upside there. He's he's shown in the past that he could be a really good pitcher. He's a pitch to contact guy. The Cardinals have five gold glovers behind him, so I think we'll probably be fine. Um, so it it just makes a lot of sense from both sides for for Matt's coming over, um, getting that support. Um, the Cardinals getting a good middle of the rotation pitcher in which was kind of their downside last year was not having pitching depth. So. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that Matt's got the fourth year, but I'm guessing that's what it took to get him to go yeah. there. Um, he, yeah, I, will I think that's that exactly he, it. He has terrible health history. He's been on the IL a lot of times in his career and 2021 was kind of like one of his best seasons ever. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, We'll see how it I, Yeah, I, I'm not expecting him to be amazing or pitch 30 games. I'm no. just if he could pitch 25 games, still might be on the high side. Um, but if he could pitch 20 to 25 games and be a, just like a four two ERA guy, I think he'd probably be fine. Yeah, that's and that's probably what they should be shooting for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to stick in the division? Talk about your Cubbies for a minute. Sure. Yeah. So Cubs, they made a few smaller moves that, on the surface, look like pretty solid moves. So they they picked up Jan Gomes uh, on a two year deal for thirteen million. He uh, will fill a big need, uh, no matter what path the Cubs go, because they had a lot of issues with backup catchers last year where they went through about nine catchers. And that's not even an exaggeration. Um, everyone kept getting injured or was absolutely terrible. And it ended up uh, leading to probably an injury for Wilson Contreras because he was getting work so hard. Um, so they, they, they said this off season that they would be pri- prioritizing getting a backup catcher. So they were able to do that because they end up trading Contreras then they have a guy in Gomes that's not horrible that can slot in as a starter. They also signed Clint Frazier um, to a $1.5 million deal for one year, which I really like this move because I feel like the Cubs can actually give him the chance to play every day, which is something he he rarely got in his time with the Yankees. He also battled a lot of injuries, including concussions, and you know being on the Yankees is pretty tough. So yeah. I think I'd like to giving see him, giving him some opportunity to hit with the wind blowing out. That'd be nice. Exactly. Yeah. So that's nice. And then the big move today's move is the Cubs signed Marcus Stroman to a three-year deal for 71 million. Um, as a Cubs fan, I'm ecstatic because it means that the Cubs are not just punting the off season for the fourth year in the row. Um, this is the first big uh, free agent signing that they've made in almost four years now uh, when they signed Yu Darvish way back in 2018. So Stroman is a guy that's really reliable for what he is. He's not an ace pitcher, but he's a very solid number two pitcher to have on your team. He's a ground ball machine, um, and he's similar to the other couple pitchers that the Cubs have in the rotation in Kyle Hendricks and Wade Miley in that they're not really strikeout pitchers 
So that's something that the Cubs are going to need to address here in improving their infield defense. And in my opinion, going out and get getting an elite shortstop defender named Carlos Correa. So hopefully they can get that done after the lockout. I, but I assume when if they do that, you would then kick Nico back over to second where he was a, a great defender elite, there. Elite second base defender. Okay. And then third base, keeping it with P-Wiz. And then first base, is Frankie Schwindel getting the go, or are you guys going to sign Frankie Rizzo back? Frankie Schwindel, and maybe they'll bring back Rizzo. All right. So I, I have to ask, is Willie going to get traded? Um, I think, it. well, it really just depends on if they can agree to an extension. So if they can't, then it makes sense to trade him. I, I still think it doesn't really make sense to not try to get that done they have the money to do it he loves being on the cubs and it's very difficult to find a catcher that's good well and their their catcher of the future that's in the in the uh organization there is down for the year with tommy john now yeah and he's basically missed like the last three seasons with injury so his yeah. career is kind of in jeopardy of being anything yeah um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I, I could definitely see if they don't uh, work out a deal, then them trying to make a deal with the Yankees, because I think the Yankees kind of want to move on from Gary, but when they tendered him a contract yesterday, that kind of showed that they didn't really have very many options right now. So I'm sure they would be chomping at the bit for a year of Willie. So, Probably, yeah. Um, I, I think there's only one more major signing uh, or like big signing that's happened. You want to talk about it, then talk about some of the guys that are remaining and uh, yeah, and wrap there's it up. That one, and there's also the Kevin Gosman one, which we haven't talked about yet. Oh, that's a good point. So, so I'll just hit on Gosman real quick. So essentially, the Blue Jays brought him in to replace what they got from uh, Robbie Ray this season. He almost got the exact same contract as well, uh, getting five years and 110 million. I like Gosman. He's kind of only a two-pitch pitcher, so I don't know how that's going to fare in the AL East. It's definitely a tougher place to pitch than uh, Oracle Park, but I think he's good enough for that to be a worthwhile investment. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. I was kind of surprised that um, they didn't try and get Robbie Ray back. If they were if they were willing to go with that deal, I'm surprised that it didn't go to Ray and him stick around, but. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of other stuff that went into that decision on both of their parts. So, um, but no, I, I like that deal. And Gosman, uh, kind of break out this last year and a half. So, uh, we'll see if he can transfer it to Toronto. So, and then the, the last big free agent signing, uh, I don't think there are numbers on it yet. Uh, but Chris Taylor is returning to the Dodgers. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, so there are numbers on it. As of an hour ago, uh, Ken Rosenthal reported that it is a four-year, $60 million uh, contract with a 2026 club option uh, for 13 Wow, million. that's... I, I actually called that contract like a few hours ago on text message. You saw that. I, I had no idea, but 
probably the first and last time I'm ever going to guess a contract correct. Not going to lie, I did not see... Oh, yeah, there it is. I was going to say, I did not see your guess, but yeah, I'm guessing $60 million for. Pretty good, right? Nice. Yeah, so he got paid, and he's a very valuable player, like we've talked about a million times on this podcast, because he can play so many positions, so... I'm sure both sides are very happy with their deal that they've made. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I that's a great move by the Dodgers to retain Chris Taylor. I mean, the, the dude is so valuable to them. Um, he plays every position, the exception of catcher. Uh, and, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think he literally plays all the others. And he could be a position player pitching if they need, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I honestly think utility guys like that are kind of undervalued. I'm sure he's probably worth way more than $60 million over four years, but that's kind of also the going yeah, rate. I saw, people, so. I saw Cubs fans actually comping him to Ben Zobrist, and Ben Zobrist signed a very similar deal with the Cubs in 2016. It was $56 million for four years, So, and they do kind of similar things where they play all over the field, um, pretty solid hitters. So we'll see if uh, Taylor can be as useful as Ben Zobris was to the Cubs. Oh, yeah. All right. What do you say we talk about remaining free agents and then end it with a bang and talk about the two extensions? All right, let's do it. All right. So Correa is obviously the biggest free agent left. I I don't think either one of us would debate that. I think he was the biggest free agent even before anyone signed. Yeah. Period. All right. So is he going to beat Corey Seager's 10 year 325? I think he's going to beat it easily. And there's a chance he could get Do you think he'll more get... than 10 years as well, I think. So so he's the same age as Corey Seager, which is why I asked. So I kind of assumed that 10 would be about right. He might get an 11th year, but I would be a little I would be yeah. shocked. Um their numbers are eerily similar um so from a career um Correa has more power than Seager and a slightly worse average but in general uh Correa is a 277 356 481 for a 128 career WRC plus 25 war Seager was that 297 367 504 for a 132 WRC plus but only 23.7 war um, Correa has 133 home runs, uh, to Seager's 104. So you're paying for, uh, so with Seager or sorry, with, with Correa, you're getting more power, um, and better defense with Seager. You're getting more on base, more hits. So would their contracts comp pretty well? Which one would you be paying for more? Cause the I reason think I pay more doesn't. Average I think the biggest age thing better? that for me pushes Correa ahead of Seager is the defense and the way higher likelihood that he would he could actually stick at shortstop through the length of the deal, right? Um, yeah. Are you looking at your own camera? Uh, I am because I, I had to unplug my monitor because <laughs> my computer was dying. So it looks like I'm looking down. Gotcha. <laughs> um. Yeah, anyways, I think Correa could get 
you know, like 350 million. He might even break uh, Lindor's number from last year. Yeah, that would be crazy to see. I, I'm trying. Who would who would be willing to pay that? I mean, obviously, you think the Cubs should, but what other teams would be in on that? I feel like we can't discount the Yankees here because they definitely have a need for a shortstop. And they've spent very little yeah. money so far this season. One offseason. that would be like a really big shock, but I, I feel like maybe it could happen is if the Nationals decide to do it because they don't have a lot of money tied up with any of their players. They kind of need a second star to go along with uh, Soto. I don't know. That's, that's just a good point. That's just a random thought. Although I think... I have another guy that I think would probably be a better fit out there, and I think that it would, if the Nationals were smart, they would go after Freddie Freeman instead if he doesn't sign back with Atlanta. That would be interesting, yeah. And uh, another one is, I don't know what the Phillies are doing exactly, but they could they could use another bet. Yeah, especially in place of yeah. Didi. So... Uh, let's see what other big free agents we got. Uh, so, uh, uh, Saya Suzuki, how do you say his first name? Saya Suzuki is an interesting situation. Um, yeah. You want to kind of briefly describe what's going on with him? Yeah. So he is, I guess, going to be stuck in the negotiating window for like the, the length of the lockout because it started about nine days ago. And it's going to just go on pause here. So he's a player from the NPB, and he was kind of a, a superstar-level player over in Japan. He's coming off an incredible season, and he he's an outfielder, so I think he would fit on a lot of different teams. And he's right in the prime of his career as a 27-year-old. So I think a lot of teams are going to be in on him. Yeah, he comps pretty pretty similarly to like Schwarber and Jock, doesn't he? Uh, maybe not quite as much power, but definitely more uh, more on base skills and way better batting average. Okay, yeah. So he'll be an interesting one, especially since he he gets a thirty day negotiating window with major league clubs, and he has to sign in that. And if he doesn't, then he goes back to um, his team over in Japan. And it's being broke up right in the middle, and he can't negotiate with teams during the lockout. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out for him. Um, but yeah. Uh, any other big guys you want to talk about? Um, no, we've talked about most of the guys kind of in passing here. Um Yeah, I think we can we can move on probably. All right. I'm getting some numbers pulled up here real quick for this last thing. Um. So yeah. So the last thing we wanted to talk about is there have been two uh, extensions handed out this uh, off season so far. Um, players that were not free agents, they're just basically being bought out of free agency next year. Uh, the first being Byron Buxton, seven years, a hundred million dollar extension, keeping him tied to Minnesota through 2028. Um, he, I believe, gets a full no trade clause. 
as a part of his, yeah, right? So this this contract's very unique. And leading up to this extension, there was a lot of discussion about exactly what an extension for him would look like. Because the thing with Buxton that he's shown is that when he plays, he's the elite of the elite. He's right up there with Mike Trout as being on a per game basis, like one of the best players in the league. No one can deny that. On both sides of the ball, he's just incredible. But what no one else can, what also no one can deny is that the guy cannot stay healthy. He's injured basically every year and he's had like one full season where he's played over 130 games in his career. So he's only, he's only had one season where he's played over 92 okay, games. Okay. So there you go. And he played 140 in it. That was 2017. But uh, in seven years, he's played only 493 games. Um, he played 46, 92, 140, 28. And that was not in the shortened season. 87, 39, which was the shortened season. And then 61 last year. Yeah, And in those 61 games, he was able to put up 4.5 F4. So... He was already kind of a star level player in just basically a third of the season. So if you're looking at it from the Twins perspective, this this deal could end up being an absolute steal for the player Buxton is um, way below market value for a center fielder. This is less money than I guess the like Starling Marte is making as a free agent who's way older than him and not nearly as good when he plays. Yeah. But at the same time, if you think about the fact that you're only going to get half a season to play out of him, it's about yeah, right, money-wise. Exactly. So they're they're kind of paying so. for what he's been, which is a guy that doesn't stay on the field. And if he does play, he's also going to get rewarded as well because there's a ton of escalators in this uh, contract for plate appearances as well as the standard um, incentives for winning awards and things like that. So. I like it for Buck. So it's actual escalators. Yeah. So he'll make, I believe he makes an extra $500,000 for each uh, plate appearance benchmark that he reaches. And there's like five or six. And that would only be for the following season. For every year of the contract. Well, so so if he hits one escalator in year one, does it increase every single year following? Uh, Or does it increase the next year and then he has to do it again? I'm not sure about that. But it's a it's a very unique contract structure for a very unique player. And I think Buxton really just wanted to stay with Minnesota really badly. He he seems like he really loves it there. And I hope they can build around him and become good because he's an awesome player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Buxton. I think there was pretty much every team under the sun was wanting to trade for Buxton if they yeah. could. Um for the exact reasons that Minnesota should be happy that they got this contract done. So, all right. Then the last big contract of the last two weeks, Wander Franco with a full .104 service time, signed an 11-year, $182 million contract with a 2033 club option. Is he the first guy signed into the 2030s? <laughs> He's not, but it seems like he is. Good it's an Lord. incredible thing to say that a guy that hasn't even turned 21 is going to 
get a guaranteed over 180 million. So, well, he's not even played more than 70 games and he's not played a half season in the yeah. big leagues and he's going to get 182 million guaranteed. And it's probably a steal. Probably, yeah. The I don't know the exact like, breakdown just, by the insane. years, but this one's kind of interesting too because the beginning years of his contract kind of in a way they model what the salaries he would make in arbitration because it starts out where he's making like 1 million then it like jumps up to some other small amount of money and then in the later years he starts making like 25 million per year uh 1 million and 22 2 million and 23 and 4 8 million and 25 15 million and 26 22 million and 27 and then 25 million in each of the last 5 seasons with a $25 million club option in 2033 or a $2 million buyout. So, And it includes salary escalators if he finishes in the top five in voting for the AL MVP, and if he's traded before April 2nd, 2029, he receives a $3 million assignment bonus. It drops to a $2 million assignment bonus if he's dealt on or after April 2nd, 2029. Yeah. This is a complicated contract. Holy cow. But this is for a kid who uh, his prospect reports in 2021 uh, had him at a future value of 80 on a 20 to 80 scale. So like this kid is expected to be the next Mike Trout. Granted, you probably shouldn't put those expectations on anybody. Just that's a lot to ask. But he, so far, I mean, he's shown how good he is. He tied Frank Robinson's record for 43 consecutive uh, games on base. Uh, is a player under 21. So yeah, I'm kind of just he's sure showing early the Rays, but they're clearly very sure about this player that they have no problem giving him this much guaranteed money, even when he's basically proved nothing. Yeah, yeah. This this is the largest contract in Rays history. By a long shot, right? Granted, their history is not that yeah. long. Yeah, I think Longoria, uh, Evan Longoria or yeah, a big one. I think so. And with with Longoria's second contract, he ended up signing, I think, like a six year deal with them. They traded him after the first year, and that's what he's still playing on with the Giants. So, hopefully, Franco doesn't get traded. Um, but it's the Rays, so you can't rule it out. Well. And really, they've kind of set their contract up to where if they could pull a typical raise move and get a bunch of prospects for him, really, because if they're only paying a million, two million, they won't trade um, him now, right? They'll trade him when his five, contract becomes twenty five no, million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they only have to pay him thirteen million between now and twenty twenty five. So they're definitely not going to trade him prior to that. Then they basically double that or what they owe him through 2026, and then he hits over 20. Yeah. So I think it's smart, smart move on both sides, really. Yeah, really is. Um, yeah. What do you say? Any closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, so much stuff happened. We didn't even get to what the Red Sox did, the Giants. Um, the Rays, and um, 
couple other like minor signings, but that's okay. We we definitely covered a lot. A lot has happened. Uh, probably next week we'll we'll start diving right into all things CBA and get you all caught up on that kind of stuff. Yeah, which means I have to dive into it between now and yep. then. Try and figure it out myself first. That's right. <laughs> all right, but cool. Well, I guess I'll let you close it out. You brought us in today. Yep. So thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out on whatever podcast platform you like to listen to. Tell your friends. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Getaway Day Pod. Um, and uh, have a good evening. Goodbye. And the goal is 150th baseball podcast yes. on Apple. Thanks, guys.